You're listening to the Grace Family Church Podcast. Notes for today's sermon are available by downloading the GFC Florida app. Wow, man, that looks like a super fun church to go to. Come on, guys, welcome this weekend. I'd like to welcome all our campuses, those that's watching online. Let us know where you're watching from. Just excited to be with you this weekend, guys. We're going to do something a little bit different today. We're going to actually stand up. Come on, let's stand to our feet. If you can stand, if you're at home, uh, man, just please stand with us as we just, we're going to read God's Word together, and we're going to reverence God's Word. And so we're going to read Matthew 9, 35 through Matthew 10, 5, okay? And we're going to read it together. If you get to a word you don't know, just lower your voice. Don't want to notice, okay? Here we go. Together. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray for the Lord, to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These 12 Jesus sent out. Before you sit down, high five two people and say, we're being sent. We're being sent. We're being sent. You may be seated. You may be seated. A little over 20 years ago, Tracy and I came to Grace Family Church, and when I showed up, I mean, that was back in the day when, you know, people would speak a word over you, and they would prophesy a word to you, and I had been praying and fasting about being called by God into ministry. And I didn't realize that ministry meant, the, the word for ministry actually means serving. I thought ministry was carrying a Bible, I thought ministry was doing funerals and weddings, and I came here and I asked Pastor Dean, who's one of our executive pastors. I don't know if you guys know Pastor Dean. He's over at the Clearwater campus right now. And I said, Pastor Dean, man, I I got a calling on my life. I've been sent, man. And he looked at me and gave me this vest. And he said, man, if you're sent, then you're serving. Because serving is what people who are sent by God, that's what they do. And so... I didn't realize when I started serving, I was like in the parking lot, I was stacking the cones and my wife would be waiting on me and my son would be out there with me and I'm directing traffic and all of a sudden I realized this, it wasn't really the stacking of the cones. It wasn't really the directing of the traffic. Serving was really all about the people. It was about the people who were trying to get out of the parking lot. If you've been on the Lutz campus, you realize traffic is really bad. It was about the people, some of y'all blowing your horn trying to get to the Bucks game. It was about the people and serving God is about serving people because people matter to God. I think we can all agree that people matter to God. From Bartow to Clearwater, from McDill Air Force Base to Spring Hill. 
people matter to God. All people. People who cut you off in traffic matter to God. People who get on your nerves matter to God. People who talk real loud and you're like, boy, I wish they would shut up. <laughs> matter to God. All people everywhere matter to God. And so if we're going to serve, we're going to serve people. And if people matter to God, what I've discovered why people, married, are, are, why people matter to God is because they're created in his image and likeness. That he knit every single one of them together in their mother's womb. That they're fearfully and wonderfully made. That the very hairs, some of us have more than others, on their head is numbered in his presence. In fact, he rejoices over them. He sings over every single person because they matter to God. In fact, I would go as far to say as this. We are, they are his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God has ordained beforehand for us to walk in. Do you realize that God has some good works ordained beforehand? Before you, before the sperm and the egg, guys, he had a good work ordained for you to walk in because people matter to God. And not only do people matter to God, sent people who serve people matter to God because the sender loves people. And throughout history, throughout all time, God has been sending people. God sent Moses to Egypt to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. He sent Joshua to take them into the promised land. He sent Elijah and Isaiah, and he sent the minor and the major prophets. He sent Esther to go to the king because the king didn't know what was going on with the people. And he was, he was like, send me to the gang. He sent, man, he sent Boaz. Who else did he send? He sent a whole bunch of people. He sent David to slay Goliath and be king of, of, of Israel. He sent Josiah, the eight-year-old king, to lead people back to the word of God. He sent Deborah during the time of the judges. God is about partnering with people and sending people. And when we read this verse, Jesus, who is God in the flesh, is sending. He sent them out. He takes his followers and sends them out. And so the picture that Jesus is painting is not that our names are written in the Bible, but that we are followers of Jesus Christ. And if we're followers of Jesus Christ, then we are contending for ascending. We are contending for ascending. But many times we don't want to be sent because the problems in the world seem very large and enormous. They seem overwhelming. If we start throwing out words like sex trafficking, you're like, man, that is a big, huge, ginormous problem. If we start throwing out world hunger, you're like, oh my gosh, what can little old me do about that? If we start throwing out foster care in the 19,000 uh, children who are waiting right now in foster care in Florida, you're like, man, but what's my part, Ralph? It reminds me of a story of a little boy and this gentleman was on a beach and, you know, just imagine Clearwater Beach and they're walking on Clearwater Beach and it was early in the morning and the man was walking and he saw in the distance a young man and his head was going up and down. He just saw, he's like, what's going on with this young man? And the night before there was a storm. And during the storm, all these starfish washed ashore. And the little boy was walking along, actually picking up the starfish, putting them in the water. And the man, the older man said, young man, what are you doing? Like, 
what, what, what are you doing out here this early in the morning throwing starfish into the water? He said, don't you realize that that won't make a difference? There's tens of thousands of starfish out here. And the little boy said, well, look, if I don't do it, no one will. And sooner or later, the sun is going to come up and no one will throw them back in the water and all of these starfish will die. The man told him, he said, well, do you really think it would make a difference? And the little boy reached down and picked it up, a starfish up and threw it in the water. He said, it made a difference to this one. See, our little actions, our small actions that God leads followers of Christ to partner with him on can make a big difference. Because see, God is moving. And he's moving by his spirit. And I'll submit to you this. The reason, you know, many of us are like the man. We're minding our own business. We're walking along in our life. We're doing our own thing, man. We're really busy. We're trying to build a business. We're trying to build a family. And we got all these things going on. And we're like, man, what difference can I make? You can make a big difference. I think God is looking for a people that's like the little boy who will take small actions and make a huge impact. Because many times the problems we see and feel are usually where we're sent to serve. You ever see a problem and you're like, there's something that wells up inside of you? And you're like, man, someone ought to do something about that. I might just go ahead and pray about it then. I can say for me, one of those things, the, the problem that I see and feel is usually where I'm sent to serve it is where I discovered a passion for fatherless fathers. Because I was a fatherless father. I was the guy who was trying to raise kids and didn't have anybody to help. No one helped me raise me. And I'm trying to figure out how to raise kids. And I'm like, dude. I, and so the problem, my problem became a passion where I want to serve men and want to help point them to their ultimate father. They don't have to get hung up on the wound from the one that they have in on earth because we have the perfect father in heaven who can teach us how to love our wives and how to love our children and raise them in a healthy way. Because the problem you see and feel is usually where you're sent to serve. But we can't be sent unless we spend time with the sender. And I love in this verse, Jesus says, pray to the Lord of the harvest. It's his harvest. Every problem in the world, he's taking care of. He's working on. How about that? He's aware of it. He's abreast of it. And he's looking for people to partner with him, to make a difference in the world through serving. So we got to pray. Everybody say pray. Everybody say pray. In fact, put it in the chat. Pray. We have to pray to the Lord of the harvest. And there's three prayers a person who is sent to serve, I believe, can pray every day to do small things and have a huge impact. So we're going to pray through this. The first prayer is this, and you're going to repeat, repeat after me. Say, Lord, come on, say it like you mean it. Lord, help me to see what you see. So we wake up in the morning, we say, Lord, help me to see what you see. And here's where I get this from, Matthew 9, 35 through 36. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every, every disease and every affliction. Pause. God is doing his part. Every, every affliction, every disease, in this context, Jesus is doing his part. But something interesting happens. Jesus turns and he notices the crowd. See, God sees the people. 
He notices the crowd. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion. Everybody say compassion. He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Say, Lord, help me to see what you see. Do you notice the disciples didn't see it? Jesus saw the crowds. The disciples were with him. Maybe the disciples had grown accustomed to seeing crowds. Maybe they had grown accustomed to seeing people harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Maybe they were just hanging out with Jesus with their little saved self following Jesus and it was like, you know what? Jesus, what are we supposed to do about all these crowds? But you know, when we pray the prayer, Lord, help me to see what you see, I, I think it's interesting, you know, the, the eyes of the Lord go to and fro out throughout the earth. Everything is exposed to him. God sees everyone in every situation in every circumstance. He doesn't have a problem seeing. We have a problem seeing. In fact, in Matthew 18, 3, it says this. Surely I say to you, unless you're converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter into the kingdom of heaven. What does it mean to be converted? It means to be born again. It means to be saved. It means to start a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's like a converter. Many of you have converters on your face right now. They're called glasses. And you couldn't see without those converters because they take your natural sight and converts it to the point to where you can actually see. And what Jesus does with us is he takes our natural self and gives us a rebirth spiritually and helps us to see how he sees. But when we get converted, we actually don't change to be like little children. We're still adults because what we see gives us certain experiences that we'll never forget. Let me prove the point to you. Anybody ever got a speeding ticket? When you drive past there, do you slow down now? Because what you see creates an experience in your mind so you actually believe that there's going to be a cop there that's going to pull you over. But Jesus says this, be converted and become like a little child. Now, I'm a granddad, and I take my granddaughter on walks every now and then. And I talk to her, I say, gee, look at the birds. Look at the plane. She used to call the plane birds. She's like, look at the bird. I say, nope, that's a plane, Gigi. Look at the birds, they're in the tree. Oh, tree, bird, nest, water, ball. Everything that she learns and sees, she actually sees through my eyes. What if we woke up every morning and grabbed Jesus by the hand and said, Lord, let me just see what you see. Would you lead me today to see people the way that you see them? Would you lead me today to see my coworkers the way that you see them? Would you lead me today to see my boss the way that you see them? Would you lead me today to see the homeless guy on the corner the way that you see them? Would you lead me today to see Everything around me, every circumstance, everything that I run into, would you just hold my hand, Jesus, and help me to see what you see? Lord, help me to see what you see. I want to be like a child. I don't want my experiences to taint how I see the things that happen around me, the opportunities that are there. The second prayer is this. Lord, oh, I lost you a minute. Lord, help me to feel what you feel. This is a good one here. Anybody getting their feelings every now and then? And we start acting out. 
man, you know what? I ain't all you. It's about to go down up in here, right? But you know what? When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. He said that he was moved with compassion. And I know we talk about compassion in our culture, and that's not really a hard thing for us to understand. We're like, man, compassion is when I feel this thing on the inside. But really, when you look up the Greek word, it's the word splagnizomai. Splagnizomai. Everybody say splagnizomai. Splagnizomai. Oh, say it one more time. Splagnizomai. Type it in the chat. I can't tell you how to spell it, but it's splagnizomai. Splagnizomai is this. I'm not only concerned, but I'm involved. I'm not only concerned, I'm not only moved, but it moves me to action. I don't just see it and say, man, that's pretty bad that that happened to you. No, I got to get involved with it. I don't see you just hanging out with your foster kids and be like, man, you know what? Somebody ought to cook them dinner sometime. No, I actually get involved with it. I, when I have splagnesomai, it's like Jesus, when he has splagnesomai, he has it 12 times in the scripture. And every single time it says this, that Jesus has splagnesomai and he healed them. Jesus has splagnesomai and he fed them. Jesus has splagnesomai and the woman with Israel blood said, you can go and your faith has made you whole. He was concerned and involved. God, I want to feel what you feel. Please help me have some splagnesomai in my life. I want splagnesomai with my wife. Splagnesomai with my children. Splagnesomai with my, my brothers and sisters in Christ. Splagnesomai when I see what pornography is doing to homes. Splagnesomai when I see children who are lost and they're, har they're harassed and they're helpless. I want splagnesomai. I want to be moved to compassion. I want to be moved to not only be concerned but involved because that's where we find our calling. That's where we find our purpose is when we have splagnesomai. It pushes us toward action. In fact, it's the God type of compassion. It disrupts us inwardly and directs us outwardly. Man, what's disrupting you inwardly? I want you to think about that for a second. What, 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 kind, of, what kind of robs you a little bit on the inside? It's kind of like where we get the word, you know, I had a gut feeling. It's the spleen. It's the inward parts. God, would you touch our inward parts and move us to action? to serve, to help our fellow man. It says that they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You know, they could not say, like David, the Lord is my shepherd. These people were lost. In fact, this is an indictment on the religious people of that day because the priests and the kings were considered shepherds. They were supposed to defend the people. So the Pharisees and the Sadducees were all caught up in things like politics. They were caught up in religion, but they were not caught up in the actions that God was directing them to do. And it reminds me a little bit of a place called America, where there's a church on every corner, but people don't have splagnesomai anymore. They're not moved to compassion and action. Do you realize that Tampa is one of the top places in the world for sex trafficking. Nebraska Avenue, corridor for sex trafficking. It's like knees of mine. God help us. And I'm not saying you gotta do anything about sex trafficking, I'm saying, but we gotta do something about something. 
We, we, how about that? That's a one-liner. We got to do something about something. We're asking God to move us, to help us to see what he sees, to feel what he feels so that we can move like he moves and join in and partner with God as he is addressing the ills of society. Help us, Lord. I'm going to say that. You know, maybe your part in stopping sex trafficking is to stop watching pornography. Maybe that's your part. Maybe we don't contribute our money anymore towards something that is hurting the people who are born and made in his image and his likeness. Maybe we don't contribute to that anymore. You fill in the blank. Maybe we stop contributing to things where the root cause is really sin. Maybe we stop contributing to those things. You know, we come here on, on a weekly basis and we worship God and we're moved. I don't know about you, but I, I love our worship and we're moved by God. And we lift our hands and this is what we call worship. But I'm discovering worship is so much more than lifted hands. Worship is, our, worship is hands that lift. God is looking for hands that lift other people. Hands that lift people out of despair. Hands that, like last weekend, lay hands on people and pray for them and, and, and help them walk through things in their life. I'm not talking about huge, big things. I'm not telling you to leave your job. I'm not telling you to go out and become whatever. What I'm saying is, man, just get in the game and start doing something. Splang these are my God. Would you help us? But I feel like at times we're like, James said, James was Jesus' brother, and I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to be Jesus' brother. You imagine the comparison? You just need to be more like Jesus. He gets straight A's. Come over here, James. You know what I mean? Like you, James stayed in trouble. But James says this. <laughs> he says, man, faith without works is dead. If you show me your faith, I'll show you my works. If you show me your works, man, my works are done by faith. Like faith and works, faith and serving, faith, trusting and believing and following God actually follow. There's something that follows that, and it's called works. And then James says this in James 2. He says, suppose you see a brother or sister who has no clothing or food, and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? Lord, help me to feel what you feel. Say that with me. Lord, help me to feel what you feel. It's interesting to me that Jesus says they are like sheep without a shepherd. But then he turns to his disciples. He turns to us. He turns to his followers and he says, hey guys, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Jesus paints sheep without a shepherd, people that have great need as an opportunity. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity. It is a great harvest. It's plentiful, but the laborers are few. Now, when I look at Grace Family Church, we've been here for a very long time, over 20 years. And there's a great work going on here, but the laborers, I've discovered, are few. The laborers are few. When I think about our goal of helping families follow Jesus, that's why we're here. We want to help families follow Jesus. And before I start talking about serving, help families follow Jesus. Help families follow Jesus. That's why we exist. That's our vision. 
If we're going to help families follow Jesus, our very first service is to God. Then our spouse. Then our children. Before we talk about getting in the game anywhere, the first calling in our life is to serve God. Then our spouse than our children, because many times we have wounds in our life. Like I had that father wound, and I spent my entire marriage, most of it, focusing on being a great dad instead of being a great husband. And I'm telling you right now, many guys that you hear me, I'm talking to you fellas. You're walking away from it because you believe she's the problem. But in Ephesians 5, it says, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And if we give ourselves for her, it's a sweet smelling savor under her. And she's drawn like cologne to it. And you don't have to walk around and be like, yeah, you better serve me. You don't have to say that. All the ladies said. You don't have to say submit to me. Watch this. Follow Jesus. You'll follow Jesus. Raise your hand. Come on. All over, all over. Follow Jesus. We love Jesus, right? Watch this. What did Jesus do? He died for you. He never tells you, you better submit to me. No. You submit because he loved you first. The reason why Ephesians 5 says husbands love her as Christ loved her. We love her. We love him because he first loved us. And we return love unto him as adoration to say, thank you, Lord. I'll serve you. I'll honor you. I'll submit to you. I'll be obedient to you because you are Lord and you are my king. Helping families follow Jesus. Husbands. I just talked about that, so I don't have to beat y'all up no more. I'm a husband, so I'm getting beat up over here. Here we go. Let's talk about the harvest. Grace Family Church, 255,184 people attended Grace Family Church at seven campuses this year. 255,184 people. 3,927 people attended or accepted the badge that we've been talking about, that Discovering Grace. They took a first step. 746 people have been baptized since the beginning of the year. Yeah, buddy. Here we go. 335 people have told us that they have committed or recommitted their life to Christ. You see, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Here's an example of some laborers. There's a man named James at the Lutz campus right now. He actually served in the kitchen this weekend, but he leads a table at Wednesday night Bible study and makes coffee for everyone before they come in and cleans everything up. After they leave, the laborers are few, like at Lando Lakes, Jacqueline. Jacqueline is on the connections team, and she cleans the women's bathroom every Sunday morning and makes sure they're stocked with all the women's stuff. I don't know what y'all have in y'all bathroom, but all the women's stuff that women need to have a good experience when they go to the bathroom. Thank you, Jacqueline. At Carrollwood, there's Laura. Laura is actually overcoming cancer, but she comes in every single weekend, and she stocks the volunteer 
uh, the Volunteer Central with all of the food and all of the stuff that they need in order to be refreshed as they serve the people of God. How about Clearwater, Jim and Tammy? They show up early and make all the coffee and clean the lobby and make sure that it's a great place for the people in Clearwater to come in and have a great time. You got Tom and Lori down at Ebor. They serve at United. They serve at the Dream Center with the kids. They actually were a part of the first annual golf tournament that raised money for the kids in that community. What about Belinda? She's down there at South Tampa. Thank you, Belinda. Belinda actually comes, she has a fan here. Belinda actually comes to early every, every single weekend and she stocks the sanctuary with pins and buckets and all the things that we need in order to help people take another step. And then at Temple Terrace, we have Damian Sykes. He's a tech guy. And actually, man, we're praying for you, Damian. We love you. We know that your wife has gone home to be with the Lord, but he is extremely faithful and he shows up every weekend on tech. What I'm telling you is the harvest is plentiful, but we got some laborers, y'all. We got some laborers. But like Jesus said, he said the laborers are few. And I believe that this church can reach Tampa. I believe that we can do a work in Tampa. We just got to see what he sees. We got to feel what he feels. And we got to go where he sends. You know, the last part of that verse is this. It says, and he called them to him. He called them to him. And he gave them the, the 12 disciples the authority, the power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. Do you remember that from earlier? Jesus, that's what Jesus was doing in verse 35. He gave them the power to do exactly what he was doing. You see, God will never call you to anything that he won't give you the capability to do. He doesn't qualify, he qualifies the call. You don't have to be qualified. You don't have to go to seminary. All you got to do is partner with the sender. And he will equip you and give you the power to do what he does. He'll give you the power to love, power to live, power to heal. He'll give you power over the evil one. He'll give you power to love your spouse and your kids. He'll give you power to write the book. He'll give you the power to go to your school and win them for Jesus. He'll give you the power to start that Bible study at your business. He'll give you the power to do it. The question is, are you available? You know this picture right here, this is a Thomas Kincaid picture. And what I wanna point out to you on this picture is this. One, it's beautiful, but there's inspiration inside of this picture. And when you came in on every campus, you received a puzzle piece. A small puzzle piece. Everybody grab that puzzle piece. Look how small it is. And I believe that God is painting a picture in Tampa for his glory. And we're all a part of it. And you know the interesting thing about the puzzle is this? If one person doesn't do their part, we can't pick the picture. Every single one of us have a part to play in God painting a picture for his glory in Tampa Bay. From Bartow to Clearwater, from McDill, all the way up to Spring Hill. All we got to do is do our part. You know, one of the people that really inspired me from the Bible, and I hope one day to meet him, is Isaiah. You know, Isaiah does something interesting as things were going crazy around him. Isaiah, king, had passed away. And when the king passed away, again, the people are helpless and harassed like sheep without a shepherd because the king is the shepherd. 
And Isaiah says, look, I was on, it was the day of the Lord. I'm praying in the year when King Uzziah died. I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. In other words, the glory of God filled the temple. And what God was showing him was like, Isaiah, I'm the real king. And Isaiah saw these creatures and they were angels that were flying around God and they were saying this for eternity because we're all, we're all created to worship. They, were, they said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is full of his glory. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is full of his glory. And the, and the temple shook. And Isaiah felt something on the inside. I would think it was something like splagmizomai. And he saw smoke and he said, woe is me, I'm an unclean man and I dwell amongst the people who are unclean. But one of the angels flew down to the altar and he grabbed a coal and he put it on his lips and he touched his lips. And he said, your sin have been, has been atoned for. When he touched his lips. And all of a sudden he was converted and he could speak. But before he spoke, he heard something. And this is what I hope you hear from the heart of God this weekend. And I heard a voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then Isaiah said, here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord, send me. Serve week is coming up, Lord, send me. Opportunities abound, God, send me. Connections team, Lord, send me. Zone, clubhouse, changing diapers, send me, God. Traffic, send me, God. Here I am, send me. I want to be a part of you painting the picture. Prayer team, God, send me. I just want to do my small piece. And so maybe you're here right now, and you're saying, Ralph, man, I, I, I feel some splagnesomai in my spirit. I feel a shaking, kind of like Isaiah. And I've been contemplating for a long time, but man, I want to be sent. Here's the thing about being sent. It's about availability. If you're available, we'll find the opportunity. And when opportunity and availability come together, God gets glorified. When opportunity and availability come together, he paints the picture. So if you're here right now, and you're saying, Ralph, you know what? I want to respond. Here I am. Lord, send me. Would you just stand to your feet right now? All over the room. Come on, God, stand to your feet. Here I am. God, send me. Maybe you're on one of our serving teams already. You sent one, man. Just stand up. You're a sent one. At every campus, you're a sent one. South Tampa, Clearwater, Carrollwood. I'm a sent one. Ebor, Temple Terrace, I'm a sent one. Land of Lakes, I'm a sent one. I'm standing here right now saying, God, here I am. Send me. Campus pastors, man, let's reach Tampa right now. Let's paint the picture that God is desiring to be painted in Tampa. I'm turning it over to you. Thank you for listening to the Grace Family Church podcast. For more info, Check out gfcflorida.com or connect with us by texting the word CONNECT to 81313. We look forward to meeting you at one of our locations soon.